Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, all right. The Bite Me podcast is on the air June 20th, 2023. Big day for us. A uh, big day because we have all three of our captains, our regular captains, uh, on the podcast today. That would be Caleb McCumber, Captain Caleb McCumber, Captain Scott Knoll, Captain Dean Thomas, and myself, John Lopez, here for you with a jam-packed show for you. Of course, quick reminders and a big announcement. Quick reminders, uh, don't forget to join us if you're joining us for the first time uh, on uh, the group page. That's uh, just search Bite Me Fishing. And you'll be good to go. You'll find the group page. Uh, just remember to click you, excuse me, remember to qu- click I agree when you go through the little thing and then we'll get you right in. Uh, also, you can subscribe pretty much anywhere you get a podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere. All right, boys. Oh, by the way, real quick uh, message here from uh, uh, City Angler, I believe is is what city life angler do you know how i can message john in private regarding something personal to him you can message me via the group page facebook instagram twitter at lopez on sports or john lopez or shoot me an email uh, i don't care i, I mean you can put, i'll put my email it's hard to highly find. touted at gmail <clears throat> highly touted your, at gmail.com number on there yeah uh, okay, everything but the phone number i'll go ahead and put the phone everything number but the phone number he don't answer it anyway, <laughs> City Angler. Don't worry about that. No, I don't answer you. No, that, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do. Uh, all right, boys, uh, let's get to it. Uh, we've, we're going to cover uh, Hurricane Brett. Not necessarily that it's going to be threatening us, uh, but what it means because it's. Uh, we'll get to the details on that. It's formed in normally cooler water norm- and uh, earlier than expected. And uh, what that means because there's some uh, history that would be on the side. We are just talking about hurricanes last week. Um we're going to have some favorite dog stories, and I need it. Dog-related fishing stories. I know my guys across the way uh, have those. Uh, I need a little pick-me-up. Uh, I'll get to that uh, when we get to that part of the topic. Uh, how fish are affected, which, which fish, which species are affected the most by the warming temperatures. Boat-building success stories. We're going to uh, visit with Chet Morampudi over at Freedom Boats. And, of course, uh, there's something wild going on in the Gulf uh, that uh, I know Scott is hot about. We'll get to that about restricting speeds in the Gulf. But let's not bury the lead. Big announcement here. Uh, We've teased it on the Facebook group page and uh, really, really excited about this. Um, We're going to have, and uh, the the big upset is Captain Caleb, Captain Dean, and uh, uh, Captain, uh, who did I miss? Scott (laughs) are all going to be there. We're all going to be there on the same date. And that is August. August 12th, 
2023, we are going to have what we're calling the Bite Me Podcast Feeding Frenzy. And it's going to be at Watson's House of Ales. Uh, that's up on I-10 and I believe 99, maybe the Beltway. It's a really cool place. They are locked in. Uh, I'll get some details here, then some reactions, some other thoughts uh, from the fellas. But put it on your calendar right now. Uh, and once this podcast posts, uh, Roy Crush from uh, Texas Boys Outdoors, he's been on the podcast, is going to post something on the Facebook. And that's how I think we're going to get all the RSVP so we'll have a good headcount. But here's the deal. It's going to be, we didn't want to do anything for our listeners unless it was big, it was bold, and it benefited somebody. And uh, it's benefiting Texas Boys Outdoors. Uh, tentatively, and stay tuned on that, we're looking at uh, 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. on Saturday, August 12th at uh, Watson's House of Ales. And we're going we're gonna to buy your food. We're going to cover your food. If you, if you want to RSVP, you know, the drinks are on your own. I don't need that liability. I don't think anybody does. Uh, you, you're on your own on drinks, but we're going to buy the food. The menu is going to be outstanding. I'm guessing some sort of boil, uh, crawfish or shrimp. Crawfish are still in season in August, aren't they? I think so, right? No, aren't sir. They? No. No, probably shrimp then. Uh, all kinds of all kinds of other food. Uh, and it's going to be a big event. We're going to have all kinds of stuff for our listeners. We're going to be doing door prizes. We're going to be doing uh, auction items, uh, benefiting Texas Boys Outdoors. Uh, and we, ha we couldn't do it without all our partners. Uh, and I know there's going to be more to come. But this is just after the very first email. I sent one email out last week. Um, and all these partners and friends of ours, uh, just jumped in at the opportunity to be a part of the Bite Me community and to be a part of what, what we're doing for Texas Boys Outdoors. The boat yard is into sponsor, and they're going to bring a couple of boats to show off uh, at the, the event. Freedom Boats is into sponsor the, the food. Uh, Wade Wright is into sponsor the food, and they're also donating a couple of Madre Slings. Uh, Fishing Tackle Unlimited, uh, our presenting sponsor, you knew that we could count on them. They are in to help sponsor the food, and they're donating two green rods uh, that we're either going to uh, uh, silent auction or uh, door prize. CCA Texas, how about that? Shane Bonneau uh, is in to help sponsor. Knock and tail. Unfortunately, he's going to be on vacation, but he wanted to be a part of it. Uh, Micah Krolik, our guy over there, uh, is going to be donating gift bags with all kinds of lures. Uh, lose reels. Uh, I think we're going to have six lose reels that we're going to be giving away uh, to, uh, you know, whether it's door prizes or whatever, every half hour while we're there. Uh, Strike King is coming in. Down South Lures is coming in. Uh, uh, South Jetty Cooler is coming in with some raffle items. Saltwater Soul, Power Pole. I'm telling you, it's humbling. It's awesome. It's really cool how big the Bite Me podcast has gotten. And this is going to be a big event, August 12th, tentatively 4 p.m. to 7 p.m., um, and it's going to be benefiting Texas boys outdoors. We want all of our Bite Me listeners, whether you're listening on the podcast or listening live on the uh, YouTube channel, uh, to be a part of this. It's going to be awesome. And I'm just going to share a, a quick story here, and then I'm going to kind of uh, toss it to the boys uh, for their thoughts, uh, some things they might uh, think about in terms of, uh, you know, we're going to have, I'm sure we're going to have some sort of, not necessarily a formal seminar. It's going to be just kind of a hang. You can get stuff autographed by Caleb and, and Dean and Scott uh, or myself. Uh, and don't don't, don't snicker, Dean. People want your autograph. You're a legend. That was Dean snickering right there. Scott, Caleb, I know you guys have signed autographs at some of the seminars we've done, uh, maybe a poll, whatever. But I'm going to share a story real quick. And I was talking to Roy Crush over at Texas Boys, and he was t telling me about you know some of the things they do. It benefits first responders, uh, veterans and uh, people in, in need uh, on a personal level. So he was saying, well, this is one that I'm doing on Wednesday, tomorrow, or today if you're listening on, uh, on the podcast. A 15-year-old boy, he's been battling a, a very, very rare form of cancer. He lost his father to cancer a few years ago and his grandfather. Um, his grandfather, who was also coming on the trip, is fighting cancer now as well. So he's got his grandfather himself, lost his father and so they've got a trip uh with texas boys outdoor and roy crush uh and he's bringing them both um a fellow a friend of theirs 
And so this is what they do. This is how they uh, benefit the community and first responders and such. Uh, and so I'm, I'm really, really excited. I'm going to start with Scott because Scott and I, we started this podcast literally standing by the back of your truck. Hey, what if we did a podcast? And now we have uh, almost damn near 9,000 people on the group page, uh, 470, 490,000 downloads we're expecting this year uh, on the podcast. And it's, it's, I said it, Scott, it's, it's humbling, but to be able to, to do things like this, get the guys and girls together that listen to the podcast and to be able to do it uh, for a great organization like, uh, uh, like Texas Boys Outdoors. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm not trying to get too hokey here uh, or anything, but uh, it's, it's pretty dang awesome, Scott. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? <laughs> I mean, when we started this, like, we were looking at it going, you know, you know, if we get, you know, 500 people a week listening into this thing, that'd be pretty cool. And, uh, and <laughs> had no idea it was going to grow like this. Uh, you know, just watching the numbers click by is, it's been pretty impressive and pretty, pretty damn cool. Actually. Uh, didn't think that many people would want to stop and listen to us talk about fishing. But, me and uh, being able to share that and, yeah, you can see when me and Caleb tune in how the numbers dramatically rise. That's it's incredible. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do. Y'all are uh, y'all are the 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 I would say Ringo and uh, George. Uh, I haven't been Scott giving myself and enough credit lately. <laughs> I guess Caleb would be Ringo if I had to guess. Uh, he's the wild child. Uh, I'm only old beat, enough so for Johnny speak. Ringo, dude. <laughs> uh delaney text never knew you guys would start a cult did you no we didn't uh and uh, definitely going to be a cool party as glenn said um certainly it it, it it's something and, I'm, and this is the point in time where I, i'm gonna i'm gonna shame caleb uh, into uh asking him what what are you bringing you heard everything that all our other partners are bringing what are you going to bring for some of these uh, fundraising ideas Typically, when I'm on Fremont Street, I charge five dollars for pictures with me, but here they're free. <laughs> they're free here. They're absolutely free here. I'll figure, I'll figure uh, and, and how about Dean coming in all the way from Aransas Pass? You're going to be there August 12th. All four of us will be there. We'll be talking fishing, and I know you're going to have uh, some cool stories for everybody. But it's just a cool event, and I'm glad we could do it, Dean. Well, first of all, I only sign girls' boobies. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we're going to have a bunch. We're going to have a there bunch of go, Delaney. Have... <laughs> Delaney. Delaney just put gas in the car. <laughs> I got to meet this Delaney, man. Y'all give her such a hard time. It's crazy. She's a loyal so listener. <laughs> I'll understand. Mm. Uh, well, well, so that's cool. So put it on your calendar right now. Um, when this podcast gets edited and posted this evening, uh, you're going to be able to see uh, the the group page, and we'll put it. I mean, on the group page, we'll put the post from um, we'll put the post from Roy Crush on there, and we'll get rolling. And we're, we got your food covered, man. Uh, thanks to all our partners, we're going to have cool gear. We're going to have giveaways. It's not just going to be auction items. We're going to have giveaways, and we're going to talk a hell of a lot of fishing. So I've been wanting to do this for a long time. It is here, and uh, it's going to be way cool. All right, so let's get into some topics here, and. Uh, not not to just lean everything towards Scott, but this is something that is right in his wheelhouse as well. So, Scott, I'll start with you. Um, so, Hurricane Brett has formed. Obviously, it's early. And, and I know it's not headed to Houston, to the Gulf area per se. But I'm going to read something that, uh, that uh, Travis Herzog, a good Aggie, uh, over at Channel 13 here in Houston, uh, posted recently. And I'm just going to read it. And I want you guys, starting with uh, Scott, to tell me what you think it means for the season, so to speak. Tropical Storm Brett has formed in the deep tropics, well east of the Caribbean. It is highly unusual for a storm to form this far out in the Atlantic at this time of year because normally the waters are still too cool to support development. This year it's a different story, with water already as warm as it typically is the first week of September. Uh, Hurricane Brett is expected to become uh, to, to reach the Caribbean uh, and there's only one other hurricane on record to form east of the Caribbean in June. That hurricane occurred in 1933, and it went on to become, and this is uh, this is the key part for me anyway, 
to become the most active hurricane season on record in the pre-satellite era. So, Scott, um, just give me your thoughts because uh, all all signs are that okay, Brett, maybe not coming to the to the Gulf area, but we're going to have us some hurricanes if anything, if history holds true. Yeah, it, it's a tropical storm right now. It's got a lot lot to go against it. Uh, there's a whole bunch of upper level winds that are going to shear it for several days. So it's not real favorable for it to imp- improve its uh, disposition there. But yeah, it is kind of weird because those are usually August, September hurricanes at Cape Verde, you know, ones that come off of Africa don't usually form up. We get waves and then they come in and kind of fiddle around in the tropics a little bit and then they kind of fizzle out. Most of what we get, you know, early in the season forms up more in the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbeans where it kicks off. So I, I don't know, man. It's kind of hard to say. We've had some weird weather. I mean, you know, all those big storms down south, you know, they've been having these 60, 70 mile an hour blasting storms coming through Padre. Seems like every other week or so. Just weird weather all the way around. So, I mean, we've got it's set up supposedly with the the El Nino or La Nina or whichever one that is over in the Pacific. (laughs) It's supposed to, whichever one it is, it's supposed to be the one where we're in a down cycle. But that says we're in a down cycle, but we're also super warm. I mean, everything's really hot. I had a guy tell me um, he was in the backwaters of uh, some marshes this week over in Galveston. It was 93 degrees in the marsh. So, I mean, just the marsh waters are are heating up, but the deep Gulf water's hot. I've been looking at some of the the overlays for water temperatures out there. Lots of oranges, lots of yellows out there when it probably shouldn't be this early. So warm water creates storms. You know, it feeds them. So we got to keep an eye out on this. Yeah, and Dean, you kind of caught the wrath of Scott uh, last week uh, because you talked about hurricanes can be good. Uh, and so if you want to expand on that and just your thoughts in general on what's happening uh, out there in the Pacific. Well, I mean, it can be good for fishing because it pushes in a lot of fresh water, um, creates a lot of clouds, cools things off. It just mixes up the atmosphere. But, you know, we got hit ground zero with Hurricane Harvey and um, everybody gets nervous. Everybody starts looking at them hurricanes and storms and stuff i mean they come and go we've lived with them forever the eye wall in the eye of those storms is just where you don't want to be i mean it is very unfortunate uh, what we went through here but that stuff mixes up the heat of summer and it creates some great fishing when it pushes them in so as long as you're not even as bad as hurricane harvey was Mm-hmm. Um, from Aransas Pass to Rockport and Port Aransas, devastated. It looked like a <clears throat> bulldozer ran over the earth. Every square inch was destroyed. But as close as Ingleside is, you could see Ingleside from my house. They were not in the eye wall. Corpus Christi was not. It's good to be aware, but it's frightening to everybody. But as long as there were category one two fast moving storms i mean they're gonna do what they're gonna do but nobody everybody dreads the big one and i mean i lived through the big one and man um that was horrible but you know on the on the flip side of that it does mix up the weather it mixes up the water it creates some great fishing um, and I said it before, you know, what's unfortunate for my neighbors in the Gulf when it's hitting elsewhere. Um, I mean, if you want to look at the fishing side of things, it does bring fresh water. It drops those temperatures. It spawns rain. Um, so it is the one thing that um, offsets the heat of summer. And, and Caleb, I know you were commenting here on the YouTube live about uh, you like the drier air from it. If you miss the the brunt of a hurricane, what has been your experience that happens to the bays in the Gulf? I would like to add that that uh, I really don't care what Herzog has to say, but my lawnmower repairman told me it was going to be an active year. And <laughs> folks that work on stuff that cuts grass. What's your lawnmower repairman's repairman. name? Oh, that's Cousin what? Eddie. 
Uh, cousin Eddie, and where did he go to meteor meteorological school? Well, Lamar High School, baby. <laughs> he, hey, hey, a fishing guy can tell you when it's about to rain, and a guy that fixes fixes lawnmower blades can tell you. Or hey, chainsaws. He, he's a chainsaw repairman too. He knows this is mm -hmm. coming. Yeah. But like Dean said, if it's around us, is is great. But uh, you know, Harvey, there there's back lakes that still haven't been the same because we have all these rivers up here, and those rivers will get miles wide and just wipe those things out. And it it took years and years for the back lakes that 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 uh Harvey flooded out to get back to even decent, and they're just mm -hmm. now getting getting good. But uh, yeah. I do like the drier air and the green rivers and back lakes right now from the lack of rain and the heat, though. Yeah, that's what you were talking about. Um, but the other thing, uh, Scott, and this is another topic that I got a question on. Uh, the question was about which speed, until further notice, until there is a washing, so to speak, of, from a hurricane, nearby hurricane, um, are there any species of fish that are affected more by these stifling water temperatures? And how do you adjust and then... Uh, we'll ju I'll just lay back because I want to hear them more. I'm, I'm sure listeners do too from you three guys. Uh, so I'm just going to go Scott, Dean, and then Caleb on this one. The stifling water temps, are there any species that are affected more than others and how do you adjust? Well, trout seem to be affected more by the hot water. They're going to drop off first. You know, they'll be up there early, early in the morning, you know, way before, you know, as it's getting daylight, you might find some up shallow. Uh, the redfish, they'll stick around a little longer and redfish. I've, I mean, I've seen them up there on the flats when it's a hundred degrees, you know, it doesn't really seem to make them uncomfortable enough to leave, but they don't really act right. You know, the, the oxygen level drops because of the, uh, the lack, all the heat drops the oxygen levels in the water and, uh, just the saturated oxygen can't be there when the water gets that hot and the fish just kind of shut down. They kind of go to sleep. Uh, see it every every year when it gets hot, July and August. I can go along in the back lakes and on the grass flats, find redfish that are laying there and cast at them, and nothing happens. Then poke them with a poke them with a push pole or poke them with a rod tip, and they might move. You know, they'll, for the most part, they'll just kind of lay there and kind of wobble back and forth, almost looks like they're dead. Um, but they're just waiting on it to cool off and get a little more oxygen and get going again. If you do happen to catch one, you'll notice they don't fight you know they just kind of give up it's like really in a wet rag so yeah the the heat definitely affects everything that goes up shallow um <clears throat> go ahead i Dean. forgot the rotation whose turn is it now <laughs> it's a short-term memory loss i can relate trust me on that it's you I need a little a little post-it note but um I mean, I've experienced that this week. We've been in this crazy heat wave for many days now. I fished the last eight days in a row, and it has been, um, it's like mid-August out there right now. I mean, the heat is crazy. So we've drifted the flats. We've drifted a lot of shallows, but it's been very windy with this heat. So wind with heat is better than no wind with the heat. So it moves the boat. We've been covering a lot of area and those fish on the flats are very lethargic early morning, even early morning. It's been tough for me. So, um, yesterday completely shifted gears. I just avoided the shallow flats in the morning and went straight to deeper water, but we had lighter winds yesterday that allowed me to fish the edges and, um, we weren't wade fishing. We were in the boat so you can control where you want to be and how you cast a little better with less wind. And, um, I mean, we had nonstop speckled trout action for, you know, like four hours, but it was, you know, hanging around the edges of drains and places where I parked my boat on the sandbar and cast into four feet of water or if I was fishing on the windy shorelines, I could put my um, pole down and cast towards the drop off and work it back out towards the deep water. Um, but that's, I think, you know, until something changes, I will be focusing my attention on deeper water from what I've seen in the flats was kind of hard headed this week, kept just stuck with it, trying to prove that I could find some redfish on the flats 
but even the mullet so the the surface is just devoid of life there's no jumping mullet there's you don't see a lot of swirls you don't see the obvious signs you get to like 10 11 o'clock when the sun is overhead and you can see in the water i mean you can and you drift over the sand holes and you see all those mullet come out of those holes they're there but they're just everything's in slow motion in the shallows i've had water temperature up to 89 degrees on the flats this week 82 at the crack of dawn so um everything gets lethargic fish don't eat as much they don't eat as often and that's just the rhythm of that so i'm sure i'm going to be focusing my attention after what i saw yesterday i mean tomorrow morning i'm headed you know straight to four and six feet of water um probably going to be waiting tomorrow just hitting those edges as much as possible the flats are just tough right now the ultra shallow when when you're dealing with shallow water to deep water there is two tipping points a year whenever it's winter time there's a certain amount of time where the water in the middle is warmer than the water on the edge and you're going to find a lot of your fish in the middle and then as the summer spring and summer rolls around you're going to hit another tipping point to where the water on the middle is cooler than the water on the edge. And mm -hmm. when you're, when you're planning out your fishing in the seasons, it's, it's good to think about that. And, and when you're trying to decipher where you're going to start at for the day. And so trout, you've been a big time trout fisherman as well. Uh, what about that aspect of it? I know you talk about the deeper you know areas and all that, but what about behavior and the question of how you adjust? Uh, from what from what I've seen and taken in, and then whenever I was down there last week, it was it was the guys out in the middle drifting the deeper stuff were doing a lot better, and the guys up on the edge we didn't do so well, uh, and that has a lot to do with the the water's hot and and uh, it, it it was kind of rather stagnant the couple of days I was there just because it's like a tide movement, but and and that's where you're going to get like Scott said early in the morning and. Really, I, you know, late in the evening, kind of, if you're near the drop-off uh, at night, you'll catch them up on the flat. But they're getting to the point now whenever that when that sun hits them. For, for years, I made 100% of my summertime living sight casting on the edge of deeper water. And at 10 o'clock every morning, those or until 10 o'clock, those fish were reliable as they could be, just cruising, we caught a bunch of them. And then about 10 o'clock, they were all gone. And what I started to notice is when the sun came up enough that the bank was no longer casting a shadow on the water and the sun was on them, that was their cue to slide off. So mm -hmm. even and I could go to the other side and it could be 8 a.m. And I wouldn't have a, there wouldn't be a single fish over there with that sun shining on it. But in those shadier spots, and that's where I, I started kind of figuring out the pattern of when that sun comes up and starts getting on those fish, they start getting deeper. Well, that's good information right there that I know a lot of our listeners are going to are going to appreciate. All right. So I want to get to uh, something that uh, a lot of our listeners have, have reached out and talked to me about, but I want to make it more fun. I, I, I need to pick me up. Uh, for those who don't know, um, I had uh, my guy Gibson uh, literally every single podcast I've ever done. He's been sitting right down there, uh, right in front of me at my feet. He was going on 14 years old. We finally made the decision that we had to say goodbye. And uh, all the usual emotions came into play. And I appreciate everybody reaching out. It was very, very difficult uh, and, and very, very, uh, uh, very, very much uh, something, you know, leaving an emptiness. But I know Scott and I have talked about this off air. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to wallow right now. I'll wallow by myself. And I have, you know, I've had my crying fits already. But one thing about Gibson was like he loved loved fishing like loved fishing uh or just going down there he loved steak night because whenever we went to to the kennel as we called it that they, we have that travel trailer and uh scott and uh and caleb have seen it there's big letters on the wall of my kennel and dean will see it soon enough uh my wife and my kids always call it the kennel because it was always gibson and i going down there so it was our big kennel um he loved steak night because we always went down there he, he was just uh, uh, amazing as as can be uh, never left my side. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do the poor me thing. I'll do that uh, by myself. But I want to hear some dog stories from you guys. All of you guys have had dogs, some dog fishing stories. And I'll start it off with Gibson because this is this is my funniest fishing story uh, with Gibson. And it was back when he would go with me. The last couple of years, he couldn't go with me. Uh, so we were in Sabine. 
And I trained him so well. He was like so well trained. I had water on the boat and I would, you know, keep him, you know, comfortable there and he would he would have a good time roaming everywhere. But every time we got near a shoreline, he wanted to jump in the water and go to the shoreline. But I trained him to not go until I said, "Okay, you can go." Literally those words. "Okay, you can go." And it was driving him nuts. And so dozens of times we would be I would be fishing shorelines and he'd just be waiting, just chomping at the bit to jump into the water and go to the beach. And he never did. But one day we were in Sabine and we were I was I was cruising a shoreline. Look at Luna. I was cruising a shoreline with uh with my trolling motor and he was just dying. I could tell he was dying. He was dying, dying, dying to jump in. And I and I was catching some fish. And so of course I wasn't gonna let him jump in. I was, we were just cruising along nice and slow. He's slapping on the water and his and his jaw would start uh, trembling whenever he really wanted got excited and wanted to jump in. And so and little alligator, about a four-foot alligator, kind of you know, squirreled out of the, the grass. And there was no, I ain't waiting. I mean, he was not waiting any. He jumped in after an alligator in the water in Sabine. And, of course, I put the power pole down. Or I think I had him encoded then. I put the pole down, and I just, like, jumped in the water. And the things you do for your dog, I, like, literally got between him and the alligator, turned my back on the alligator, scooped him up, put him back on the boat. And then, of course, all the fish are gone. We're not catching anything. And I'm soaking wet head to toe because I got wet all the way to the top. And I was like, Gibson. And he just looked at me like, man, I couldn't help myself. (laughs) There was a gator down there. I'm sorry. I know you say no. I I know I don't go until you say go. But uh, I couldn't help myself on that. But I know we all have good – uh, good dog fishing stories. Looking forward to seeing what the comments are here live. Caleb, the the, the most famous dog outside of Gibson is Steve uh, in the greater Houston area. What's your Steve, your best favorite Steve fishing? There's Steve right there. Your He's best the favorite podcast. Steve fishing story. Man, I got I got I got two of them, and they all they both have the same ending, believe it or not. <laughs> when Steve was probably about a year or two old. Daniel and I take off and we go to uh, to Louisiana. We were we're in Homa, and there's a camp down there that about every pro red fisherman knows, named Mr. Jimmy. Mr. Jimmy owns this camp, and what's famous about it is there's like seven thousand cats here. He has a, a shrimping operation. So these these cats, you won't see a one of them, but when that shrimp net starts moving, there it's just like there there's one with three legs, there's one with one ear, there's one with no tail. Like, and th- these are like some, uh-huh. main, th- th- these are street cred cats. And so anyway, we've been down there fishing a couple of days. My buddy's in Venice. He calls me up and he says, uh, man, you got to get down here. Come on. All right, cool. It's like 10 o'clock at night. And so we throw everything in the, in the vehicle and off we go. We get about 15 miles down the road. And I look at Daniel's like, Hey, you got Steve. And he goes, no, nah, I thought you had him. I was like, Oh hell, I don't have him. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm worried about it because I'm, I'm like, man, he chased us down the road. No telling where he's at. So yeah. we turn around, we drive all the way back like 50 miles an hour, watching for him on the road in the ditch, whatever. And we get there, and this is a trailer house, and it's up one. It's got to be about 20 foot stilts, right? And it's got a porch around it, with a little kickboard. And we pull up, and I look up on the porch, and I just see these two ears pop up. <laughs> and Daniel still makes fun of me because I rolled down the window. I said, I said, I rolled down the window. I said, you coming or not? <laughs> and man he come down the stairs and jumped in the cat's hat and ate him so we were pretty happy about that and fast forward about a year later me and robert jones were fishing around the matagorda complex and we're on our way back and the the, to- the locks are closed and so i slide my boat over to the edge and power pulled down and we sit there in one of these locks like 30 minutes right locks finally open we go back to the ramp about to put in the harbor i'm looking around I'm like where's steve at oh no robert looks at <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. So we turn and we head back down the intercoastal and the salt grass is sticking up and you see a white head on the top of a red life jacket looking us out of the grass. Like what the <laughs> hell, dude, <laughs> you left me. Yeah. He had hopped out on the grass and I didn't pay attention to the locks open. I, I off. I went, <laughs> what the hell, man? God, get arrested for that. Uh-huh. Get <laughs> so that, yeah, that, that's the famous line. Most most people know that story when they whenever they try to call Steve, they don't say "come here." They say "you coming or what?" And he'll come. Yeah. <laughs> Dean, how about you? I need Man. a pick me up. Yeah, I mean, I've never had to fight alligators for Luna, <laughs> but I guess I would. Never, never left her once, but much less twice on the <laughs> side of the 
road and the river. But, um, I mean, Luna is 11 years old now and she has not left my side. She's um, fished. She loves to go on the boat. She's always out there. Crazy thing about Luna is when you're casting, she's sitting there staring at the water. She cannot wait for the next fish to come in the boat. But That's as soon awesome. as that fish hits the boat, she has no interest. It's done. She wants another fish and another <laughs> one. Luna goes out. She loves to explore. Yeah, it, it's amazing how much love. It's just pure love. The thing about dogs, they never have a bad day. There is no such thing as coming home and, you know, they don't, they're always just pure love and ready to go. We go out to the shorelines. We run. I mean, she just loves the boat. Um, it's hard to imagine what it'd be like, you know, without her sitting there looking at me. And every day, you know, when I take off in the morning, every morning she gets up four o'clock and we walk around here, do our thing. And then, you know, she looks at me. Are we going? And Am I, just I getting to go her, this time? <laughs> and, you know, I tell her, I see. I, and I always tell her, it's like, I'll be back. And then she knows that's the clue to uh, today's not her day to fish. <laughs> but um, yeah, she's been with by my side um, from, uh, you know, a little baby puppy. She was out on the boat and still to this day, whenever she jumps in that truck, man, we head down to the marina and she just she can't wait to get on that boat. You know, Charlie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, she was she was the same way. She was on my boat. I held I got her from the Houston fishing show and uh she was six weeks old and I was a sales rep at the time. I was working everything from South Padre to Mississippi along Interstate Ten all the way over. And the next day after the fishing show, she jumped in the truck with me and off we went. We were gone for a solid week. And uh huh. we kind of uh, bonded during that week, you know. She rode in a passenger seat and she got to know every store every fishing tackle shop every hunting shop up and down the entire coast in louisiana mississippi and texas and uh they would there was certain owners you know most most of the time i'd leave her in the truck and i'd, I'd have her you know sit back there and you know she'd be in a kennel but uh i had owners of the different shops that would go where's your dog <laughs> and i said she's in a truck bring her in here Alton yeah. was Alton was one of the main ones there in uh, Rockport. He was always bring your dog in here. So Charlie sat in on many, many, many sales meetings, and uh, <laughs> she, she probably just, helped close the deal. Dude, she was so cool about it. She was just so laid back and easygoing, and they all loved to see her. And uh, yeah, I lost her right after I screwed my shoulder up last year. They uh, they did me a little uh, little paw print thing mm -hmm. at the vet. Yeah, I'm getting and, one of those. Well, you know how how yellow lab shed because you had one <laughs> yeah <laughs> well as when i got this back with the paw paw mm -hmm. print there's lab hairs all oh, that's in awesome the, all inside the clay is, that's awesome there's a whole bunch of them i just started laughing about it when i when i picked it yeah. up i looked looked at it i saw all those all those hairs all stuck in that clay amongst <laughs> her footprint oh like, yeah that's about right yeah and there was probably 15 pounds of hair in my truck <laughs> up under the seats everywhere but fishing wise man she was on the boat from the time she was six weeks old on and she could spot redfish underwater you know i mean she knew what tails were she'd get excited on tails she'd start bouncing you know on the front end of the boat <laughs> and i'd always have to tell her i'd say just settle down settle down settle down settle down <laughs> and she'd be bouncing and it's just this little bounce and she'd get closer and closer to the edge i say back up back up and mm -hmm. inevitably she would fall off she, her front feet. She just couldn't stand it anymore. She'd be bouncing and she'd just fall straight into the water head first. And she, for a lab, she didn't like to swim. She oh, wow. hated, hated to swim. Loved it. She, loved it. As long as she could touch bottom, everything was cool. If she <laughs> fell in somewhere, she couldn't touch bottom. It sucked. And she'd freak <laughs> out. And uh, I had to pull her in many, many times. You know, because when you were fighting a fish, she'd do the same thing. She'd start bouncing <laughs> and she'd, she'd be standing next to you or between your legs. She'd be bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. She'd, next thing you know, you know, there goes Charlie. She's in the water. <laughs> Biggest redfish I ever caught was in Louisiana on the fly. It was pushing 40 pounds. And she was standing there and she was watching these reds roll and she was getting excited. And uh, when I made my cast, she got real excited and I hooked up and she was losing her mind. 
<laughs> I've got a 40 pound redfish on the fly holding it in one hand and I'm trying to fish a dog out of the water with my left hand. <laughs> and I got the whole thing on video somewhere of me dragging her back into the boat and her shaking and throwing water all over the place. But yeah, she was just, she was a cool water dog, man. She loved, uh, loved dolphins. You know, the bottlenose dolphins, she'd talk to them. She'd bark at them. They'd, they'd holler back at her, especially the ones in Louisiana in the shallow water. They'd swim all around the boat and poke their heads out and look at her and talk to her. Uh, they had their own little thing going on. I don't know what the hell they were talking about, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she was, she was a lot of fun. Uh, she screwed up many, many, many of my, oh, Gibson uh, did. just that, that one, especially I was like, yeah. Oh my gosh. But, uh, well, I would well, always yeah. take her. I'd take her when I wasn't, uh, when I didn't have customers. And a lot of times I'd bring my camera, you know, I'm trying to get photos of tail and reds or whatever. And I got this huge school of tail and reds and I'm creeping up on it and she's laying down. She's watching, she's whimpering. And I'm getting closer and getting closer. I'm like, all right, I got the sun right. I can get a good picture here. And I started to get a picture. And all of a sudden, she just bails off the front end and <laughs> runs out into the middle of them. And I got a picture of her standing in the middle of this big muddy area where there about 100 redfish had been in six inches of water. And she just standing there looking around like, I don't know what happened to them, man. <laughs> Why did they leave? Ago. Yeah. Why'd they leave? It's Go a ahead, great Caleb. shot. <laughs> I've got I've got dunes of yellow lab hair in my house. You have to vacuum it every every day. If you don't, day two, there's wads of that stuff. Yep. But yep. Uh, Steve, much like Charlie, did his first week of growing up the fishing show. And Scott and I both enjoyed it quite a bit because every one of them bikini Instagram fisher girls that oh, yeah. at oh, some yeah. point Steve Steve dude, Steve smelt like flowers and that glitter all over him by the end of the day. I'd <laughs> I'd, I'd walk over I'd I'd be walking around go to Scott's booth and just see some girl that I'd never met in my life carrying my puppy around. I'd, <laughs> I'd go in, Scott we go entire days without seeing him except when he passes every now and again and it. Gibson's thing uh, wasn't the hop, and his jaw would just like he'd just be like I just be shaking like this, like I'm about to go, I'm about to go. So no, you're not, and he never did until he saw an alligator, and then he wanted to play. Uh, that's what I needed. I, I appreciate that. I know some of our listeners, especially when this posts uh, on the group page, are going to have their. But dogs, man, dogs and fishing uh, just go together. Whether you're, it's the guy or the girl or whatever, you, you got to have a dog. I want to I want to share this uh, success story real quick. Meant to get to it last week um on boat building and and how uh this uh chet morampudi uh has built an absolute monster and, and he actually invites our listeners and i think that's important to stop by anytime and uh just see how the boats are built it's a fascinating fascinating thing and i think you guys are going to like it i just like success stories and you started out when you got this uh this place this business uh, really with the three boats uh, that they had, uh, maybe two and a half because they weren't making a lot of them. Uh, give us an update on what Freedom Boats is doing because it seems like when people say something for everyone, it really means something for everyone. Hey, John. So uh, like like you know, uh, I took over Freedom Boats in uh, 2021 of May, May of 2021. And uh, when we got here, uh, they were building like one or two boats a month and uh, they, they had only three models in line like the 14 foot chiquita the 18 foot patriot and the 23 foot general so so the first year like i said uh, many many years before i keep telling the previous owner that we need to have a boat that is 25 to 26 so we'll be in the market with all the big boys so the day one i got here i started looking into the designs how to build a 26 and it took us almost a year and a half and we finally got the finally got the 26 general out uh, I hope Scott loves his general and since that is out we are back on the next product so now we work on a 16 foot boat uh, it is just like Chiquita with a tunnel hull but it got uh, higher gunnels like the Patriot so I'm like it's like it's like a versatile boat between the Patriot and the Chiquita so and and once this is done we're gonna start with the next project which is the 20 foot boat so after that hopefully we're going to stop so we're going to have six boats starting from 14 16 18 20 23 and 26. yeah and uh, and on the update uh, as well you know what you've been doing uh with freedom boats uh business is good and, and and again and again like i said everybody loves a good success story um so we might as well because there's going to be people who want them 
you know, where are you right now? How can people get a hold of you if they're even if they're looking at that twenty foot? They're like, you know, maybe the warrior isn't for me or the general. Maybe the chiquita is too small. Whether it's the sixteen or the twenty, um, where are people going to be able to find these? So um, they can go to uh, any of our dealers. Um, our dealers are from Kima all the way to the Valley, so they can go to onto our website. Talk to the dealer, see who's the closest one. But if they want to see a boat hands-on, they can always come to the factory. They can witness the bu boat building. They can see the materials that we use. They can get first-hand information on all the construction. And we can even give them some samples to see how thick the decks are, the hatches, the transoms, and all the good stuff. And if anybody want interested in the 20-foot, that would be out towards end of this year or maybe early or mid next year so we haven't started we just got the paper designs but we haven't actually started uh, putting thoughts to it because right now we are doing the 16 foot so hopefully in a couple of months we're going to get on to the 20 foot project all right that's chet Morimpudi. and even if you if you like your boat and you just want to see how the the sausage is made so to speak I highly recommend coming by uh, the Freedom Boats factory. The door's always open. There's a bite me sticker right on the window. I saw that today when I was walking in. It warmed my heart, Chet. Uh, and uh, you guys are always welcoming here. So that's uh, Chet. Back to the podcast. All right. So we go from that to, uh, I know Scott, this, and, and myself, I'm not excluding myself. We're, I'm going to call up the email here, but uh, we're, we're, you, you sent me this link regarding restricting speeds in the Gulf uh, of Mexico. And this is from CCA, our guy Shane Bonneau. Um, uh, I'm sure has uh, some opinions on this. And you can talk to him about it at uh, the Bite Me Feeding Frenzy at uh, Watson's House of Vale on August 12th. Uh, we'll get to more details on that in just a second. But So uh, apparently a bunch of uh, environmental groups have petitioned NOAA fisheries to establish a year-round 11-mile-per-hour speed limit for all boats traveling in the Rice's Whale Core dis distribution area. I'm not going to get into all the minutiae here, but basically some of the things that they're suggesting for the sake of the Rice's Whale mortality rate, which who knows if that's even true. A lot of people say it's not, including the CCA. Uh, no vessel transits at, transits at night. Vessels transiting through the zone must report their plans to the NOA fisheries uh, utilize trained visual observers and maintain a separation distance of 500 meters from the rice's whales. Use and operate an automatic identification system or notify NOA fisheries of transits through the zone and report all non-compliance to NOA fisheries within 24 hours. Scott, I am going to ask you a loaded question. I usually like to leave it, uh, leave it open-ended just to get your opinion, but uh, my loaded question is, we're all advocates of the fisheries in which we we play but come on <laughs> i mean yeah. come on 11 miles an hour in the gulf yeah it, it, man i don't even know what to say about this i saw it i had to send it to you is it was just blew my mind it's not going to affect us here you know i mean there's i looked it up there's 51 of these whales according to their counts and mm -hmm. they're like one of the most uh, endangered species around for whales uh they all are in the northeast gulf of mexico so kind of like the panhandle florida alabama that area i guess i don't know what their their area would be that they set up you know is this uh mandatory zone but from what i've read there's never been a reporting of a boat strike on any of these whales and so it's like, okay, well, why are we doing this? You know, if there's never been any incidents, I, I can understand if it was happening, you know, like it was with the manatees where people were running over manatees on, on the regular in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. That, that made sense, but this doesn't make any sense at all. There's never been a, a problem. So why are we trying to fix something that ain't broke? Don't get me started on government overreach. Um, yeah. And it's I mean, like, the it, thing is, like I said, we're not, a, we are all advocates of proper, yeah, you know, and, you know. And, and we, tr you try to be an advocate of common sense as well. You know, the Gulf of Mexico is a vast place. It, it just, it, of course, I, I got no words for it. It's, it's extreme. Um, you know, we do try to conserve and preserve everything that's around us. You know, we're always um, aware of the resource, but you know, trying to make every boat in the Gulf of Mexico go 11 miles an hour, it just doesn't make any sense, you know. 
it, they throw a lot of stuff out there that's you know extreme to one way and the rules will probably end up somewhere in the middle on however it's done until <laughs> until i saw that email i had never heard of this whale so uh, I, I, I i i thought okay well the guys will know it because i sure don't <laughs> i had to look them up I yeah know. yeah no I, idea I, I googled it myself i was like what we got this well whale um i mean what makes them so vulnerable to the surface you know they do you know there's a lot of water below the surface the boats are just right on the top you know do the whales spend their whole lives you know poking their head out of the water that they're going to get struck by a boat but the fact that there's been no reported mortalities that there's been you know no evidence that this is needed you know and to go and enact such an extreme rule it's just a bit of overreach um and hopefully it's just one of those crazy things that's tossed out there and then smarter people will um voice their opinion and have some influence on the decision i just want to see caleb go 11 miles an hour i can't believe y'all had to google it it's a it's a new species of baleen whale all right oh god God, here we go. They're primarily in the northeastern Gulf. They, <laughs> I like they your vocabulary. Live, Sounds they, very they official. Li- they 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 live an average of one hundred to four hundred meters deep. Therefore, like he's do. he's reading that off of his computer. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It just sounds <laughs> like hey, so official. They're, they're forty two feet yeah, long. He use he often uses meters. Therefore, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just got done. I just got done putting together some Japanese stuff. All right, so. Um, I'm, I'm in the, met- the metric system right now. Hey, I thought you were Canadian. Hey, um, yeah. Hey, don't don't worry about it. Um, I think you're more likely to hit a block of cocaine in the Gulf than one of these wells. I think you're probably right. If there's think you one of them, and they average between 100 and 400 meters deep, I don't think there's a real good shot of smacking one of these things. And why 11 miles per hour? How did they land on 11? they can they can swim 12 miles an hour yeah that's what i was thinking <laughs> yeah their, their average but, speed is 12 miles an hour i mean how many kilometers talk, is that are we talking about like a couple of square miles here or are we talking about like 100 square miles because it, it's not pointed at us it's pointed at, at, at freighters these these guys that yeah, are running uh, the it, draft and all this but it's still gonna apply. No, it's showing it's, apply. it's yeah. showing pensacola Pensacola, Florida to south of Tampa is their core area. And it's likely the entire Gulf of Mexico could eventually be declared habitat for them as as it progresses. The risk of taking some fire over this, if we can go ahead and smack 51 of them and get this out of the way of mine. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> See, now there's there's one See, side and the, and then there's the extreme, Caleb. Yeah, but look, but look, I'm totally not Googling this. But these damn things apparently have recently discovered is like, you know, a new species. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't discovered even know they were on your here. Google Chrome search engine. Yeah, we didn't even know they were here. And now all of a sudden they're a priority. Down in South Texas, there was a uh, and I never participated in this. I want to make that very clear. Never participated in this. But there was there is uh, I mean, for one instance, there's a critter called an ocelot. It was like a for those of y'all don't know is like a great big long house cat that has spots like a. I could, what, is, what has spots a jaguar or something mm-hmm. uh, anyway if they found one of these on your ranch they could take your ranch and declare it a um habitat for this critter now your ranch isn't yours anymore and what? There, yeah there was something called the three s's amongst the ranchers it's called shoot shovel and shut up you do not say that <laughs> you saw one of these because it, it was a thing for a while and uh yeah I mean, if I see a a, a, a rice as well, I'm not going to say anything about it. I, well, like John just said, what's a rice as whale recipe? Hey, <laughs> I can guarantee you one thing too. When John googled it, he did not spell it right because I, I could I, I I spelled it way different than that. All right, let's get back to the bays and let's get to some uh, some more stuff that's gonna gonna help our uh, our listeners here. Uh, let's talk wind, Caleb. I'm gonna start with you. You've been out. Dean's been out a lot. With with the with the wind and and the way that things are going right now, it's been we, we had such a lull for a long time of nice, beautiful wind. You can run the beachfront, you can go offshore in your in your bay boat and all that other stuff. 
What's the wind? Let's talk about the fishery right now. What's and, and what fish are doing? We talked about the heat. Um, what are how are you handling the wind out on the water right now? Yeah, I mean, for me uh, in, in my applications, I'm either going to the smaller size back lakes or I'm going to rivers and creeks and stuff like that where I'm protected for for what I do. Uh, like Dean said, if you're out drifting, if, as long as it's not white capping, you can make that work, right? Uh, so it's just all it's all in your application. Do you need to be out of the wind to do it or not? Um, and then, like Dean was saying too, it cools stuff off a bit and makes put some more oxygen in the water. So it's not a it's not a terrible thing. Well, more specifically, because we've had this discussion about wind in general, I'm talking about like right now, and I think Dean might have some good insight on this. If we're saying because of the heat, deeper holes, edges, shadows. But it's windy and you're out on the water, that's kind of hard to work those back lakes and all that stuff because of the water temps. So what I'm saying is for those of us that are going to be out on the bays trying to get to some deeper water, trying to fish the, you know, the drop-offs and such, how do you how do you kind of get those make those two things mesh, wind and deeper holes? Well, what it what it does is it limits your choices. Some places are going to be favorable in the wind and then others are going to be, you know, impossible to fish. And then a lot of it, you know, it gets really muddy too. And it kind of, um, it, it kind of, um, churns up a little too much in some areas, but the wind circulates water, you know, on slack tides, slack tide days, it will actually create some current in certain areas but for me, it, it narrows down my choices. I mean, there's places that you aren't going to even attempt to go fish whenever it's 25 and up. But, you know, down here in the South Texas, we fish in the wind every day. You kind of get used to it. Um, you look for a reprieve at this time of year so you can be a little more creative and, you know, hit the jetties. You know, we were going crazy on those kingfish and then the switch just flipped on that yeah. one and and you know everything's sitting in the corner ready to go but that hasn't even been an option but you know i just pick specific shorelines that are going to be where i have access to them and you know you're not going to be casting into the wind you know you're not going to go and and pick a spot where it's in your face where you're working that you know it, you got to pick a spot where you got it at your back and you have those ingredients you know where you can stand in knee deep or waist deep water and cast to four to six feet. And um, the thing about summertime and when it starts blowing like that, it concentrates a lot of boats in those areas. It doesn't yeah. allow everybody to spread out Monday through Wednesday and Thursday. It's not as congested, but when it does that, you know, Thursday, Friday and Saturday, you just got to expect a lot of people in those areas that are fishable so um it's all part of the challenge on on choosing your spot more than anything yeah it kind of puts you in a bad spot you can't fish the shallows if it's that hot necessarily unless you find what caleb was talking about and and you're out in some, in the open bay maybe it's in deeper holes and it's and the winds is blowing you through that's uh it's kind of hard to, to to kind of get those two things together um we're going to get to what would scott do and, and what would caleb do but i do want to add just a couple of things and, and uh the first one is i got a text during the show here uh from micah krulik uh, uh, who's going to be part of uh, the, the big uh, feeding frenzy over at uh, watson's house of Vales. uh and and you'll be able to see that on the website as soon he said uh, soon he said he's going to extend the father's day sale till thursday so you got a couple more days for 30 percent off we usually talk about the bite me 20 uh promo that's 30 percent off the other thing is you, you may have seen the video i posted on wade right with uh with Tim Stamps uh, showing all the things you can do with Wade Wright. Of course, you have the Bite Me 20 uh, discount there for the for the Bite Me uh, combo package. Last thing before we get to what would Scott do and what would Caleb do, uh, just to reiterate for the, anybody who may have uh, jumped into the podcast and we'll have more details, uh, set your calendar now. We're going to need some RSVPs, and we'll post uh, the, the link on the group page uh, for August 12th. Uh, at Watson's House of Ale. Going to be a big, big event. All kinds of uh, giveaways and auctions, all to benefit uh, Texas Boys Outdoors. We're going to have uh, Madre Slings from Wade Wright. We're going to have uh, some boats you can look at if you're interested from the Boat Yard and Freedom Boats. 
uh, to look at that parked out there. I don't know how much room we're going to have, but we're going to make the most of it. CCA Techs is going to be there, so we can talk that. We're going to have something of a little Q&A, I'm sure, but nothing too formal. Really just uh, eat some food, drink some beer, uh, have a good time, uh, get these guys, get pictures with, with my guys that are sitting across from me. We're going to have Lou's Reels uh, giving away Strike King Down South, South Jetty Coolers, Saltwater Soul, Power Pole. Really, really happy and proud for this. And that was my way of allowing the guys to look at all their apps and talk about what would Scott do and uh, what would Caleb do. Caleb, going to start with you. I know you've been doing a lot of baseball now, so maybe it's a good thing. You're going to have to really uh, sort of dig into your, your knowledge. Let's say you're going out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. A little windy from what I can see uh, on my app, but uh, what would you do if you had to go out? We were just talking about the deep holes versus the water temps. Man, I, I got I have, I use folders on my phone. One's called fishing and one's called finance, and they're right beside each other. I hit the finance one on accident, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I can't afford to fish now. <laughs> <laughs> you should have gone the other way. Well, I'm headed to Fremont Street to uh, take five dollar pictures this weekend. Apparently, yeah, yeah. You got to do your autographs and pictures. It's uh, man, we're we're in that generic old summertime southeast, fifteen to twenty this weekend start early that you want to wait wait on the edges i'd still i'd still kind of be towards the drop off a little bit rather than way up on the edge but not saying they won't be there uh as the morning goes on kind of work your way out towards it and if you don't want to do that man get out there and make long drifts it's uh it's the time of year four or five feet of water in matagorda eight ten feet of water in galveston throw, throw on a quarter ounce jig head and the plastic and let it get to the bottom and hop it around see what happens Dean, um, Thursday, Friday on my app uh, down in uh, in uh, the lower coast looks uh, pretty good. Gets a little sportier, though, on Saturday and Sunday. What, what, what are you going to do if you have to get out there? Yeah, I was looking at that. We got a little brief um, pause in the wind for a couple days. But after that, it's going back to normal for uh, – well, it's going back to abnormal for the next 10 days yeah. after that. But – Pretty much what we talked about earlier and what Caleb said, it's um, get up early. Um, I, I get really fired up for the first two hours of the morning. I, I, I really try to inspire people to get up and, you know, crank it up in the first two hours. And after that, um, you know, we're just going to work real hard for the fish that we catch. Um, you know, not really fishing much past if I fish till noon right now, you know, it's, um, we probably fished an hour too long. I'm going to try to wait a lot. I'm going to try to slow it down, hit the deeper spots, jump out of the boat. It's really much nicer standing in the water. It's not that, um, survival heat whenever you're cooling off yeah. a little bit. So, um, walking the edges, casting out, um, a lot of soft plastics, a lot of subsurface stuff. The top water bites going to be very difficult you know, I, it, it's what we live for down here is drifting the sand holes and the grass beds, throwing top waters. But, you know, that's on standby for the next couple of weeks till something changes. So um, subsurface, slowing it down. The fish are lethargic, bumping the bottom and, um, you know, seeing how it works out. Yesterday was promising, though. I mean, I, I totally shifted gears from the get go in the morning. And it paid off with some fish, so I'm going to stick with that um, until it gives up on me. I don't throw spoons a lot. You know, I probably should, but I uh, have them. They're all rigged up, ready to go. Um, you want to get subsurface? What, what kind of action would you expect on the lower middle coast there uh, with some of those spoons at this time of year? You got to figure out a way to slow down so you can fish the early. You know, the water's off color. I was down at Stephen Plant's place about an hour ago, and we were sitting on his porch. And from there, you can see all the way across the spear to and it is chocolate, man. It's it's nasty looking. All kind of, you know, rough water waves. And the water, even in the uh, intercoastal, you know, where it's kind of protected, is still, it's dirty in the intercoastal as well, where it normally stays pretty green. Uh, you're going to have mm -hmm. to find some, some protected water to throw lures. Uh, something that's got a little bit of clarity to it. And it's, they keep saying it's south, but everything I feel at the house and, and down at Stevens place and out on the water, it's, it feels more Southwest to me. You know, they can, they can keep calling it South all they want, but it's got some West in it, which usually means it's going to dirty up. 
Uh, yeah. That just makes finding that clearer water a little bit harder. So throwing spoons, if you can find something that's at least a little bit clear, you know, that spoon might work out because it's, you know, it's going to have some flash to it. Um, I know a couple of buddies of mine have actually been on some fish yeah. in the back lakes and stuff, throwing, uh, throwing top waters and, uh, doing okay, you know, catching some reds back in the wa- back waters, but even the backwaters, the far back lakes are even getting dirty right now. <clears throat> Biggest challenge right now, I think he's going to be finding some clean enough water to throw a lure into. I said, while we're, while we're at it, uh, congrats to Daniel for winning the Rojo classic last weekend. While I, while I was while I was I busy, saw that. yeah, yeah, well, while got I was away watching baseball, yeah, he's he's fishing with old, old Chuck McKinney, the prop guy. They did some pretty mm-hmm. disciplined stuff, man. I'm, I'm I'm proud of him. He did something I wouldn't have done. I'll tell you that for sure. In fact, he called me and said he's going to do it. I told him I wouldn't do that. Yeah, he got worked. with me and he, and he asked worked. me for some places. I gave him some places. He didn't even go look at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he knew where not to go. Yeah, I, I don't, like, damn. I think I think I he's think... using you guys. I'm gonna see what they what they say and do the exact opposite. <laughs> he, he got a uh, he got. I, I mean, I haven't asked him about it specifically, but I'm gonna bet you he got down there and saw them sandbars. So you know what? I don't think so. That's, yeah, if I had to guess, yeah. that'll that'll do it for sure. Uh, you guys uh, are the best. Uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot. We're all going to be there, right? August 12th. We're good. We're good. We're good. Yep. Highlight it on the calendar. All right. Bring your dogs and you might see some girls in bikinis. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if it's a dog place or not, uh, but we'll get all the details out Steve there. Steve doesn't you guys... care if it's a dog place. He doesn't care What's at that? all. Steve doesn't care if it's a dog place at all. You know, Steve just has a, the run of the place no matter That's where it. he goes. No, no dogs allowed. But this is Steve. Uh, so we have, I have a picture of him and I sitting on a picnic table in, in a, in a camping site. And it, there's a sign beside it that says absolutely no pets whatsoever. And me and Steve are like, <laughs> Hey, what's going on? We appreciate you guys. Uh, going to be a little windy. So hopefully everybody's going to be able to, uh, at least, uh, on the weekend, it will be able to catch some fish. So get out there, uh, catch them up, be safe. We'll see you August 12th and we'll see you next week. Another edition of the Bindy Podcast. Talk to you next time.